Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Why don't you open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. Pastor Dave is in New Jersey speaking at a retreat, so he's not here today. He asked me to speak for him. It's interesting because last year I spoke on Super Bowl Sunday, cursed the Bears, and showed some Peyton Manning commercials. So this year I'm not showing any Eli Manning commercials because I don't want to curse the Patriots. Don't be bitter. I just want the 1972 Dolphins to be quiet. Uh, Why don't we pray, and uh, then we'll look at listening to God. Father, we gather here today in, in many ways because it's our normal activity on Sunday. And even though we try so hard not to make it a habit, in many ways it becomes just that. But we're here. And we want to be receptive. And we know that you speak to us. So may we listen with our hearts and our minds. And be specific. We invite you to be as specific as you want to be. Speak into our lives. Your things. Your desires. Your plans. So that we not only hear, but we also obey. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you in your lives have heard dreaded words like, see, I told you so, or if only you had listened to me? As a parent, when you see your little kids running around and maybe they're jumping on the bed and you've told them before not to jump on the bed because they could fall off and get hurt, and then as they're jumping On the bed, they fall off and get hurt. If you're like me, and this is not good parenting, but there's something that rises up within me that wants to say, I told you so. First words, even though they're crying, I just want them to know that I told them. Only they had listened to me. Now, how many of you watch Lost? Did you guys see the season premiere? How many of you like to watch Lost and haven't seen the season premiere because I'm going to ruin it for you? Okay, cover your ears, la, 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 just for a few minutes. But I have a feeling by the end of this season, you might hear the words, see, I told you so. How many of you watch American Idol and you wonder where are all the friends who should be telling these people who are making fools of themselves not to go on national TV and embarrass themselves? There's something about listening that we have a hard time doing. Usually because in our minds, we think that we know better or we think that we have a good enough perspective to make a decision. And sometimes, unfortunately, even looking back at my own life, there are certain key moments where even I say to myself, if only I had listened to so-and-so, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in now. I think one of the weaknesses that we experience as followers of Christ is not our inability to listen, 
but our lack of desire to take the time to listen. I want to look at a king today in Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, and I want to hopefully get us to a place where listening to God is something that we want to do because we want to line up our lives and our desires with his. Let's read the verses. We're going to read one through five. We're going to skip most of the prayer in six through 11, hit verse 12, 13, 14, and 15. Let me read them. <clears throat> After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meonites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom and from the other side of the sea. It is already at Engedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the New York courtyard and prayed. And this is how he finishes his prayer. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah... And their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. And he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Well, the situation is this. In 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, Jehoshaphat would be considered a revival king. And that's because if you moved back into chapter 19, and you don't have to, you'll be doing this this week in your Bible study. But if you moved back into chapter 19, you would see that after a horrible experience, a great mistake, Jehoshaphat has repented and he has gone throughout the land telling people about the things that God has done and turning their hearts back to the Lord. And so when we get to chapter 20, you basically have a revival king in the midst of a revival. Good things are happening in his life. Good things are happening in the kingdom because people are turning back to the Lord. And yet, as we read here, one morning or afternoon, whenever it was, as he gets up, he learns from somebody else that there is this large invading army that is in his land. Now, if you have a map in the back of your Bible, and don't please don't turn there, but if you wanted to turn there eventually, you'd find out that Engedi is maybe 20 to 25 miles away from Jerusalem. And that might be a week's journey for such a vast army as this is supposed to be. But basically, Jehoshaphat is in a very difficult situation because here is this invading army that has a purpose. Now, they're not coming to see how Jehoshaphat is doing. They're not coming to understand the revival that is going on throughout the land. They're coming for Jehoshaphat because they want to conquer him and his kingdom. They basically want to take over. Now, that's a problem. Now, notice his reaction in verse 3. He's alarmed. He's alarmed because if I am him... 
And I'm going to read into his mind, which doesn't necessarily mean this is true, but my thinking goes like this. What? A large invading army? How can that be? I am following God. I'm going around telling people about God. I'm calling them to return to the Lord. Things are happening. People are coming back to the Lord. And now here is this invading army whose intent is to destroy this kingdom, whose intent is perhaps to either kill me or capture me and humiliate me and embarrass me. God, I don't understand. Now, maybe Jehoshaphat is thinking, God, why can't you just let the mistakes that I made go? It's possible because I think many of us, when we have a revival and our lives turn around and something goes wrong, we begin to ask God, why are you doing this? Why does this happen? Have you not forgiven me? Have you not let that go? Why must this hang on my life like a ball and chain? But I don't think that's what's happening here at all. But he's alarmed. And he's alarmed also, I think, because he cares for his people. Because remember, as he's going throughout the land, he's literally going throughout the whole land. And some of these towns and villages that have already been conquered and overrun, people have lost their lives. People that he has talked to. Perhaps people that he has prayed with. People that he has cared for. He's alarmed. And for every reason, he should be alarmed because this is a difficult situation in which he finds himself. But then notice his second reaction in verse 3. He resolves to inquire of the Lord and proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. He makes a resolution. Now, I don't know how many of you made New Year's resolutions this year. I did not make any January 1st New Year's resolutions this year because I know that I rarely keep them. As I've mentioned before, one of the things that I used to make a yearly resolution was to be able to touch my toes standing up straight. Now, you you may laugh at that because you think I can do the splits. It's no big deal. But I am about at least 12 to 14 inches away from the floor, if you can kind of imagine it. That's about like this far. That's how inflexible I am. It's a resolution I have never kept. I never stretch. I will never get there for that simple reason. So I don't make resolutions. But this is not the kind of resolving or resolution that Jehoshaphat is making. He is basically making a resolution that says, I will not do anything until I have heard from God. If I don't hear from God, we're in trouble. Because basically, with an invading army... You have two options and two options only. Option number one, Jehoshaphat could say, okay, guys, here's this vast invading army, bigger than us, probably able to defeat us, but still, with God, we can go out there on the battlefield and we can meet them. We can meet them hand-to-hand combat and hope that God blesses us and gives us victory because God has done it in the past. In the past, think of all the great armies that we have conquered because we have trusted in God. That's a good option. But he also has a second option, which is basically to stay in Jerusalem, wait for this vast army to come, lay siege to the city of Jerusalem, and hope that in some way God provides. Perhaps God will provide with waiting out the long siege, and they'll eventually leave and figure it's not worth it, or... In the middle of the siege, just like it happened in the time of Hezekiah, an avenging angel will come and wipe them all out. Jehoshaphat has basically two options. Go to war, hope for God's blessing, 
or sit right where he's at and just wait for God to do something. But he doesn't know which one to do. And he doesn't want to say, you know what, God, here are my plans. Come and bless them, which is a tendency of many of us who follow Christ. Now, I don't know about you and I don't know about your prayer life necessarily, but I know that myself many times (coughs) when I face a difficult situation, my first thoughts are, what can I do to solve this problem? If I have a financial issue, I think, should I borrow money or should I take money from here or should I get a new job? Should I work at St. Arbucks and get the extra money as long as the health insurance? All those kind of things that I have in my mind plans to meet the crisis that I'm in the middle of. That's what I think instead of just simply praying. Jehoshaphat here says, <coughs> I have two options. I don't know which one to take, but let's seek the Lord. Let's find out what God wants to do. Because as a revival king, I don't want to begin to take steps that are in my mind the right steps when they aren't really the steps that God wants me to take. And even though we haven't read it, in the first part of his prayer, basically Jehoshaphat's cry is to the God of heaven who has all power. In other words, he's saying, God, you are above all of this. You know what to do. You know how to do it. You'll be successful. We will trust you. We will know that you know what you're doing because as we read in verse 12, and I like this part of the prayer, it's not something many of us pray when we pray, but it's this. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Jehoshaphat's prayer is very simple. We're lost. We are praying. We are fasting. We are here before you as a nation, God. And after all of this praying and fasting, we still have no idea what it is that you want us to do. I can't imagine many of us praying that prayer. God, what am I supposed to do? I really don't. I think many of us, again, when we pray is, God, here's what I think needs to happen. And please come and bless it. And in some ways, there is a desire of our hearts to see circumstances or to see people's lives changed. But the way we want to do it is not necessarily the way God wants to do it. Because sometimes when God does things, he just does them (coughs) in slightly different ways that are a lot more astounding. (coughs) Excuse me. You see, Jehoshaphat actually has three options. Jehoshaphat actually has three options. He just doesn't know it yet. But look what happens here in verse 13. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. I like this. One commentator says, the idea of standing there is there was utter silence. So, if you can imagine this, Jehoshaphat finishes his prayer and then he stops. Isn't it uncomfortable right now? That's like five seconds. And you're sitting there wondering, what's he doing? Why doesn't he keep talking? It's so silent in here. It's five seconds. But imagine a large group of people in absolute silence. 
Because what they're saying is, God, we depend upon you to speak to us. We are here wanting to listen to you because we want to know what it is that you're going to do. Because we trust you. We trust that you will bring about deliverance. And so they stand there in absolute silence. And I think one of the many weaknesses that the church has today is that we are unwilling to be silent before God because there are so many things that we have to do. In ministry, there are so many people to talk to or emails to write or Bible studies to come up with or sermons to give that there's very little time for really listening to God because what we want to do is to keep meeting needs with the hope that as we keep meeting needs, it will bear fruit in people's lives and change their lives and yet missing out on the fact that if we are just silent before God, who would give us the wisdom and the insight that we need into people's lives or into Bible studies or into messages, that everything would be a lot easier. It's so hard for us to listen. You don't have to raise your hands, but let me ask, how many of you schedule within your quiet time more than five minutes to actively listen to what God wants to speak into your hearts? I struggle with that. I read the Bible I write out something that I've heard spoken to my heart, and then I'll say, okay, now I'm going to listen. And here's what happens. Silence. Silence. And then it's, oh, I should write so-and-so that, that email because I forgot to do this. Oh, but I should make that phone call first. Oh, i got to take care of this. And silence is gone because my mind and my heart haven't been trained to listen what to do. Because we're so busy about doing things rather than waiting on God and letting him shape us to become someone. There's a huge difference. God's call in our lives is to be someone, not to do something. Part of being someone leads into doing something, but many of us have misunderstood what God wants to do, and so we spend time and energy doing things. Pursuing this ministry, pursuing that ministry, or pursuing this career, or or this degree, or whatever it is, and we don't have enough time to hear God say, this is what needs to be done. (coughs) Now look at these people. (coughs) It says that they just stood there before the Lord. Now I think if we just took the time right now and actually just spent 15 minutes of listening, most of us would be frustrated. And I don't know how long they stood there before the Lord. But if I'm in that crowd, or even if I'm Jehoshaphat, I'm thinking, wait a minute, we have two options here. We need to attack, or we need to be ready for a siege. If those are my two options, that means there are a lot of things that have to be done in the meantime. But these people are willing to stand there and listen and see what it is that God wants them to actually do. You see, in a way they teach us to be someone, to be dependent and trusting people. They're losing time here. Time is running out. This army is moving forward. They're not a friendly army, but they're willing to say, God, we need to know what you want us to do. Now look what happens. Verse 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. And he said, 
Listen. Listen. Now, I don't know, does anybody know who Charles Stanley is? A few of you know who Charles Stanley is. Charles Stanley is an old-time Southern Baptist preacher, and I, I used to really like listening to him. And one of the things that he always used to do in the middle of a message, if he wanted to say something, he said, listen, listen now, listen, because really he's trying to emphasize, I'm going to say something important. But if you can imagine this big crowd of people in absolute silence, and then some guy stands up and says, listen, everybody's going to listen. And, and this is what he says. He says, King Jehoshaphat, And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Obviously, they're going to be afraid because this invading army is larger than they can put an army together and their lives are in danger. Or discouraged because maybe he's thinking about his past sin. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. In the end... What the prophet says that God tells them to do is to basically go out tomorrow with your worship team in front of you and watch me win this battle for you. It would almost be as if we're sitting here and saying, God, how can we reach Hoffman Estates? How are we going to see Christ manifested in Hoffman Estates? (coughs) Well, we have some options. We can send out some mailings. We can mail some stuff and tell people we have these great programs. We have these things that are going to happen. Please come to Harvest Community Church. Or we can just sit here and wait and we can pray and pray and fast and hope that someone will walk by and come in the door and go, wow, this is a great church. I believe in God. And they fall on the floor and they're crying and weeping. They go home and tell their neighbors who tell their neighbors. And before you know it, there's 3,000 people at Harvest Community Church. Those are our options. But the strange option that... This prophet here then turns around and says, is this, go send the worship team first. It would be as if we were saying, Bobby, get your guitar, brother, and go out there and start marching around Hoffman Estates singing praise songs, and we're going to follow you, and people are going to come out of the walls, or their houses, not the walls. Hopefully they don't live in the walls. But they're going to come out of their houses, and they're going to say, wow, what a great church, and what a great God you follow. And before you know it, as we come back to church, there's about 3,000 people trailing behind us. Wouldn't that be cool? No, that's not going to happen. But that's exactly what the prophet tells them to do. Get out, worship team first, and see what God is going to do. And in the end, as you read the story, you will see that the people will do just exactly that. And when they get to the battlefield, the battle's already over. Why? Because God sent a divisive spirit between these three different countries and their armies, and they ended up fighting each other because of a hatred deep down that they had for each other eventually manifested itself. See, that's his third option. See, if Jehoshaphat had gone out there with his army asking God to bless them, it's very possible, if not very likely, that they would have had a victory. It's also very possible if Jehoshaphat had said, let us just stay here and wait for the siege to end, they might have been victorious. But they wouldn't have seen God work in this way. And in this manner, it's different from the way it happened in Hezekiah's time. And that's good for us to know because God speaks to us in different ways <coughs> through different people at different times. So at one point in your life, you may have a financial crisis and God says, this is what you need to do. <coughs> it doesn't mean the next time you have a financial crisis, it's the same thing. What you need to do is to stop and listen and wait for God to give you specific direction at that time because he may change the plan. 
How many of you had a burning bush experience? Nobody? How many people in the Bible other than Moses had a burning bush experience? Nobody. Just Moses. It was God's specific way of speaking to him at that time. That was for Moses. How many of you have done Gideon's fleece? Come on, confess. You have to raise your hands, but I'm going to say at least 75% of us at some point in time have said, God, if this happens, I mean, I can even remember, I said one time, God, if this, it's 747, because that's the airplane, and that was years ago, but it's 747, if this happens, then I know this is your will. Well, how many fleeces are there throughout the Bible? Just Gideon's fleece. And Gideon's fleeces, I think, are moments of doubt rather than moments of of faith. You see, God speaks in different ways. He spoke to Hezekiah one way. He speaks to Jehoshaphat another way. And he speaks in different ways. And that's why it's important for us not to take for granted that God is going to do what we want him to do or what we think he's going to do because he may very well do that, but he may do it in a different manner than what we actually expect. So the call here as a church for us to understand that I want us to grasp today is that we should try listening to God. Now, mind you, it's not easy. And one of the primary ways in which God speaks to us is through his word. So as you read his word, God is speaking to you. But there's a specificity. Did I say that right? I hope I did. That God speaks to us through the word. So you and I can read the same passage, both get the right interpretation, but get different applications. God is calling us to listen. Now, the thing that amazes me is that when we follow Jesus and we don't listen to even what his word is saying to us, how people can go for weeks or months on end and never open up their Bible except at Sunday church absolutely amazes me. I can't imagine having a marriage where you only talk to your wife or your husband once a week, only for an hour and a half, and you're doing most of the talking. And when you're listening, you're thinking about what's going to happen later on. Wouldn't that be a great marriage? I mean, honestly, how many of you right now are thinking about the Super Bowl? Raise your hands quickly. Right? Because we're thinking, who's going to, you know what I mean? That is not a relationship. You cannot grow in your relationship unless you are listening to what God is speaking to you. And one of the primary ways in which he does that is through his word. This is not a call to read the Bible in a year and get done with it. I mean, that's a great idea. But to get into his word and begin to hear his voice. What is it that you want to speak to me? Try listening. Think of those instances in your life where you heard that I told you so or you should have listened to me. And if I could go back, I would say, yes, your advice was right on the money. It was expert advice. If only I would listen. And I don't understand why we as followers of Christ refuse to listen to God regularly. I'm not saying that your life will be easier in the sense that you'll have a better job, you'll have better hours, you'll make more money, your kids will finally clear up all the problems that you have with them as they become teenagers. I'm not saying that, but actually following him and falling more deeply in love with him requires that we listen. And that listening then turns around and makes, in a sense, life and relationship so much easier. So much easier because now we have his wisdom. We have, we have his guidance. We have his insight into a ministry or a problem or a difficulty that you're experiencing. And that's really what these Old Testament saints teach us here. 
There are things that you can do. We know right off the bat that we can do these certain things. But you know what? We don't want to move forward, which would be presumptuous on our part, but we're going to wait. And we're going to fast, and we're going to pray, and we're going to listen, and then God, when you speak, we're going to act. Now, here's the important thing about this, is not only did they take the time, but they actually did what God told them to do. I don't know about you, but I can even think of times in my life where I've actually sat down, I've listened, I've heard, and I still did it my way. You know, James talks about don't be just hearers, but doers of the word as well. When we come either here on Sunday or when you're gathered in your community groups and you're discussing God's word or even encouraging one another and God calls you to do something, it's not for therapy. One of the things that really I struggle with in community groups is how we can sit down week after week and tell what our problems are and never change, but begin to think that, man, this is therapy. At least I feel good that I've expressed what my difficulties are. God's challenge for us in reaching up is to let him change us, not just to give us therapy, but to change us. He speaks to mold us and shape us more into the image of Jesus. And so our prayer lives, I think, really need to change as well because our praying is a lot of ask. Our praying is a lot of asking. We're asking God, can you do this? Or God, can you do that? Or God, can you do this? Without really listening to what he'd have to say. Because it's then that he works in our hearts and our minds and allows us to get in step with him. That's why they say, It's following Jesus. We don't walk beside him. It's not good to walk in front of him because you may be walking and he's off on another path. Then you're really in trouble. But it's following. It's watching his footsteps. It's walking in his footsteps. And that's why we need to listen. I don't know where you're at in all the situations in your life. It could be a relationship issue that you have. It could be a financial issue. It could be a career issue. Whatever the issue is. God's call for us is to take a moment, more than a moment actually, to take time and to listen. And something that you may have been struggling with for years, I would say try listening. Don't just sit there in the lotus position waiting for the audible voice. Pick up his word and begin to read. And, and, and there are many situations in which you can come to the Bible and just say, God, what is it that you want me to do and to listen? Is it easy? No. I'm not promising. I will not guarantee that you will go home today. You will spend five minutes listening to God and everything will become insightful and you'll understand your life and the unfolding plan that God has for your future. And now you can simply walk in there for the next 20 years and be fine. You may go home and there will be absolute silence and you will curse me, in a sense, hopefully not too much. But you'll say, why did this guy tell me this? Because nothing is happening. It is a process. I think it was uh, Luke and Laura's wedding that I shared um, the immortal words of George Lopez. Who, in having a disagreement with his wife, then had a dream. And in the dream, he learned this lesson. It is worth it listening to your wife. Right, guys? I would say, twisting George's words around a little bit, it is worth it listening to God's voice. It will save us so much agony and difficulty. It doesn't mean life will get better. 
Jesus listened to the voice of God, and what happened to him? He was crucified. No, I'm not encouraging that to happen to you. But do you understand what I'm saying? Expected outcomes are not necessarily what we expect. But try listening to God and let him speak to you and deepen that relationship. Because my guess is God is not going to tell you to do something, but to become someone. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we can call you Father because you have spoken. You've spoken not only through your word, but through the life of your son Jesus, who is also your word, your word to us. He has revealed who you are. And he has shown us that you are our father. Father, you speak to us consistently. You speak to us throughout the day. And many of us would confess that very infrequently we hear you. It's not because you're not speaking. Rather, it's because we're not listening. So as difficult as it is to be silent before you, to be alone with you, train us. We don't ask you to speak to us because you are already here, because you already do, but open our ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, mark our lives as not only hearers, but doers of your word. We trust you, and we pray that you yourself, the God of peace, will purify us through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the one who calls us is faithful, and he will do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.